I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode number 520 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. My guest today is Julie Garwood. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? Julie Garwood's latest book, Grace Under Fire, is out now and I got to talk with her. That alone rocked my brain. But I got to talk to her about her writing career, her process and writing historicals and romantic suspense. So just grab a snack and a beverage and come visit with one of the authors I admire most. No, my inner 13 year old was not chill. I do want to let you know that we recorded this over the phone and there's some noise interference that I attempted to deal with. And I'm not sure if it was like the phone cord hitting the table or a rocking chair, but I'm going to think of it as ambiance. And tell me what you think it is. I think it's the phone cord. But thank you for your patience. And thank you most of all to Julie Garwood and Stephanie Felty and Tara, Laura and Deanna for questions in this episode. Hello and thank you to our Patreon community for the transcript for this episode and for keeping me going every week. Thank you so very much for your support. If you enjoy the show, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Every pledge is deeply appreciated and pledges start at $1 a month. I will have links to all of the books that we talk about, of course, and there are many in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by another podcast. Y'all might want to give this one a try because it's delightful. FMK Lit is the podcast that brings you romance, dumb jokes, gin-fueled rants, and a very immature game. In each episode, hosts Neil and Claire read two romance novels, one straight, one queer, and then play F. Mary Kill with the characters. Each episode has its own theme, so they are sure to talk about that very specific thing that you like the most. Construction workers, Bigfoot or Big Feet, fairies, American women in England in the 1920s, they've got you covered. If you had to play Stup Mary Kill with the dashing lady pirate, the playboy billionaire or the handsome cowboy, who would you Stup, who would you marry and who would you kill? It seems like an impossible puzzle to solve. This is very important work that best friends Neil and Claire do every single episode. So join Neil and Claire at FMK Lit the first and third Wednesday every month to see who they're going to stup, who they're going to marry, and who they're going to kill. FMK Lit is available on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and anywhere else fine podcasts are posted. You can find out more at FMK Lit Pod. Dot com.
This episode is brought to you by my favorite washable, comfortable, travel-perfect shoes, Rothy's. I own a lot of pair of Rothy's, as I have told you. I'm bad at counting. I have nine, nine pair. But my sister-in-law now has four. My mother-in-law has two. My friends love them. So just be aware, if you do buy yourself a pair of Rothy's, you might end up buying more, but you will definitely get compliments. When I pack for a trip, I often build my outfits, starting with my Rothy's shoes. The points elevate any outfit and they make me feel a bit more dressed up, especially if I'm wearing my most comfortable clothing, but then end up going to a nicer restaurant for dinner. The pink moccasins are my newest pair. I love how cute and elegant they look. And the lace-up sneakers are my go-to for air travel because they're stylish and incredibly durable, but all of them are woven. So they stretch and they always feel great. It is sometimes really hard for me to figure out which ones to bring. Best of all, when I get home, I throw them in the washing machine and they come out looking like new. Walking all over a new city in the rain, not a problem. Your new favorite shoes are waiting. Discover the versatile styles you can wear absolutely anywhere and get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash Sarah. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash Sarah for $20 off your first order. This episode is brought to you in part by Athletic Greens. If you're looking for an all-in-one supplement to start your day and you would like one that tastes good, take a look at Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because it is so easy. It contains everything I need and want in a supplement. It is very fast and it tastes good. First thing in the morning, one scoop, cup of cold water, and I'm done. It's so easy. My stomach never gets upset. And after a workout or a long walk, it keeps me feeling great. Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And Athletic Greens is vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, contains less than a gram of sugar with no GMOs. And your subscription even comes with a year's supply of vitamin D. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Sarah. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Sarah to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Are you ready to visit with Julie Garwood? We got lots of stories and this is so much fun. So I hope you enjoy this episode on with the podcast. My name is Julie Garwood. I started writing romance when, let's see, the first one came out in 1986. Oh my God, that was a long time ago. Um, And I've been writing romantic suspense, historical and contemporary ever since. I've been very, very lucky uh, that it was published and that they wanted another one. I'm thrilled at that because it's something I love to do. Since 1986. <laughs> wow. I know. It's been a while. Funny. I always wrote when I was a kid, once I learned to read, which was late for me, I would write stories. And, uh, but that wasn't a career. My mom used to say, you can be anything you want to be, but learn to type. And I always thought that was hilarious. But the idea was so you could support yourself while you're going through your dream. 
and, you know, get a job as a typist somewhere or whatever. And now that's all I do is type all day. And I think she must be smiling down at me. I don't know. (laughs) So you can be anything you want in the world, but learn to type. Yes. (laughs) So I could support myself back then, you know, to get a job anywhere filling in. And I actually got started writing historicals. By chance, you want to hear this? It's uh, Are you, I had gone. Back, yes, I absolutely to, want to hear this. I want to hear everything. Just tell me everything. Well, I went back to school to finish, and uh, I was a four-year RN. Um, you know, where you got the BS with it and all. And there were a couple of classes I still needed to take, uh, and then do clinic, and I was done. And the first one was a history class. History in high school was boring and I didn't like it. And I kind of thought, well, what's the less painful? And there was one that fit the schedule called Russian history. And I thought, oh, it's going to be awful. I loved it. Uh, And I think it's all because of the professor. Um, Sister Joan had a PhD and was uh, amazing. Well, so she was teaching another class called Ancient Medieval, and it was four or five hour class. And I thought, well, I'll just tuck that one in, too. And that hooked me. I loved the discipline of the feudal system and uh, everybody had a place. And what would happen if you put somebody who didn't, who was... Uh, different, you know, and uh, anyway, one night I decided to get a knight ready to go into battle. And I thought I was so smart. I wanted to describe him without describing him. Example, uh, it takes two servants to carry the kite-shaped shield, and he lifts it with one finger. I mean, you know, so you know he's strong. It takes... uh, they have to stand on a stool to put his helmet on his head uh, so you know he's tall. And I was just showing off, and it was awful. But anyway, I got him all dressed, and I thought, where's he going to go? <laughs> you know, what's he going to do? And I decided, because he was so arrogant in this prologue, uh, to mess with him, so I gave him Elizabeth. That became, I titled it The Warrior, but they changed it to Gentle Warrior, which is kind of an oxymoron. But uh, I was so lucky how this happened. An agent came to Kansas City for a conference at Avila College, and I couldn't afford to go to it. But another friend was having a little social event and invited me. And all the published authors were circled the agent. I, you know, I was just happy to be there and listen to everyone. But as she was leaving, she said, I didn't meet you and introduced herself. Well, so I told her I had written a children's book. And she kind of scrunched up her nose and said, well, I don't handle a lot of children's books, but go ahead and send it to me. And she patted my hand, which I think is hilarious. And I tell her it was pity. <laughs> That's why, because I was like this little wallflower. Anyway, um, 
I sent her what turned out, I didn't know categories, and it was a YA. And it's a story of a grandfather who moved in with his daughter's family. And who would be the most traumatized by the change? And I figured it'd be a 13-year-old girl. So I put the story and her viewpoint, and it's kind of an uplifting, fun story. and so Andrea loved it and said, Andrea is the agent. She said, I'm going to give this to Scholastic and see, uh, do you have anything else? And I said, well, I wrote a romance and I told her this before, I think. But anyway, uh, but there's a catch. It takes place in 1086. And she said, that's a historical romance. And I think she thought, you big dork, because I didn't know categories, and said, send it to me, and I did. But in the meantime, the editor at uh, Scholastic rejected the book, A Girl Named Summer, and said, nobody wants to read about old people. And then uh, we were going to send it, or Andrea was, I think, going to send it to Putnam, or somewhere, and before she could, the editor at Scholastic called back and said, well, the book's never going to sell, but I can't get the story out of my mind, so I'm buying. Wow. And that book really well for her, so that was good. Anyway, uh, the historical romance um, went to Pocket, and they... Do you remember a line called the Tapestry Line? Absolutely, I do. Well, I hadn't heard of it. I mean, I was in school. I didn't know all this stuff. And um, anyway, they needed a filler because they knew that line was ending and they wanted space or whatever in stores, I guess. So they purchased what I call The Warrior, and they changed the title to Gentle Warrior, which is, as you know, an oxymoron. But anyway, um, they said, will you do another one? And yeah, I said, sure. And so I wrote another one uh, that they titled, when the (laughs) editor told me Rebellious Desire, I laughed. And then I thought, oh, God, she's serious. And she wasn't laughing. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, that was a fun book to do, too. It was in uh, Regency period, and uh, research was so much fun. Um, and then I went back to doing another uh, medieval. And so I just kept going. And uh, pretty soon I was doing this full time, you know. Wow. So this all started because you took a history class in Russian history, then learned the Uh medieval feudal system, then wrote a regency and learned regency history. Yes. Wow. Weird, huh? That's just uh, wild. Medieval where my heart was because of the discipline and all. I just, I liked it, which is odd, but I did. My first contemporary wasn't because they were selling more or less or any of that. I couldn't, I, the way my brain works, I see a scene 
Uh, and from that scene, I know the whole book. That's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Wow. And it usually happened at sporting events <laughs> with my kids. You know, you're sitting there, oh, God, when will this t-ball be over or or whatever? And you get nudged and it's your son's up. And so then you yell, good eye or whatever. And... uh uh, it was kind of fun. But in the meantime, I would usually zone out and daydream and uh, these scenes would come. But the one for, uh, uh, as an example, Grace Under Fire, uh, it's always the two lines that start the book that determine it for me. And in Grace Under Fire, uh, it's Isabel, Grace Isabel McKenna had a hundred things to do today. Killing someone wasn't one of them. And that's the basis for that whole book. Is that weird that that's how it works? No, um, I don't think that's weird that, at all. If you see a scene and then you know the story behind it, well, then you write it down, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh I have been able to do that at many football, baseball, basketball games. Oh, God. But the reason I wrote the Contemporary, I could not. Uh, the scene I saw was in a confessional. And I, and that was based on a story, if you have time. Um, I took my sister, Cookie. That's what we called her. Her name is Mary Collette, and she's older to London with me. And my daughter was doing a summer um, internship at Oxford, which sounds really awesome, but it was actually, I think, a shopping trip. But anyway, um, <laughs> she, we went to see her. And so when we, Cookie only had one rule, we had to go to mass every day. Uh, she's a devout Catholic and that was the, and I said, yeah, okay. So we were so excited. I had never been, uh, that we didn't sleep at all on the plane. And when we got settled in the hotel, they said, well, there is a service in like a half hour. If you, you know, take a taxi, you'll be there, blah, blah, blah. So zoned out and punchy from lack of sleep, we go. And I don't know if you ever saw the movie Sisterhood, but the priest doing the, you know, the um, sermon looked exactly like the guy in, in, who played the priest in Sisterhood. And he starts talking and giving this parallel. He talks about uh, the prodigal son. And when he gets to what I call the punchline of the reason, um, he just stopped. And he said, but I know you know. And the congregation's all nodding like, yeah, we know. So then he tells another one, gets to the, you know, the reason for the story and stops. And I'm, Sarah, I'm not making this up. He said, but I know you know, I know you know. <laughs> and I took down the cookie and said, I don't know. Because <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Well, that made her laugh. Oh, no. So she, oh, yeah. She got mad at me and went to another pew. <gasps> that left me all alone. Um, 
And to the left was this confessional with a heavy, it looked heavy, velvet red, um, what do you call it, the curtain that, yeah, you went in that way uh, to tell your sins. And I started fantasizing and wonder what sins they've heard in there. And then the opening for Bless Me, Father, for I Will Sin uh, was born. Wow. And that's Heartbreaker. Um, so anyway, it was meant to be. Wow. I'll do time in purgatory because I daydreamed in church, but that's okay. So we have Julie Garwood books because of Russian history, T-ball, and confessional. (laughs) Kind of. All right, sure. Why not? Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations on Grace Under Fire. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That was a fun book to write. Did you read it yet? Yes, I have read it. I try not to spoil the book, but wow, this book just goes. Yeah, I like, I I want them to move. I don't want... You know, I've been told, oh, read this book. You have to get past the first 200 pages. But then, and I'm thinking, no. No. I know what's going on before 200, you know? Yeah, I don't even Uh, like TV shows where it's like, well, you have to watch the first season and then the second season it gets good. And I'm like, what what kind of time do you think I have? I know it. That's true. Oh, God. You're like me. I love that. (laughs) We don't have time for that. Yeah. So why would I why would I slog through something because it's gonna get good at some point? I'll just start where it gets good. Amen. And I want to draw the reader to where I am in my sick mind. I want them to well, I know the ones who read my books and I hear from have my sense of humor. Yes. Which is good, you know. So um Every book, I know one of the questions was, when did you switch to romantic suspense? Well, it's always, I've always had some kind of a mystery in every one of my books. Yes. Um, That's just what I do. And uh, some have more, some have less. That's how I like to write, I guess. Now, I have questions from different people who were very excited that I'm talking to you today. And one of them is Laura, who wanted to know, after 35 books, what part of writing still excites you? Is it the t-ball or is it the confessional or what part is it? (laughs) It's kind of all of it. It's the fact that um, 
when I picture something or I get those first two lines, uh, the excitement of telling the story, and that never changes. Um, there have been times when I've, you know, I've taken time off, and after a certain amount of time, I get anxious. It doesn't matter if it spells, I have to write it. And that's what I do. I don't know. Um, it doesn't define who I am, but it's what I do. And I am so lucky that I love what I do. Yeah. And um, so that's never changed. It's always, uh, and somebody said, well, what book do you like the most? And this is a cop out, I know, but it's always the one I'm writing. Um, because once I started, those characters are all I think about. Tara actually asked me to ask you about your writing process. Has your writing process changed over the years? It has. The first two books, uh, uh, Young Adult and the first historical, I would get up at between 4 and 4.15 and go up into the loft and write until about quarter of 7. And then I would jump in the shower and get the kids up and then it was carpool and go to work and life got in the way, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I, and I did that uh, every morning. My uh, husband didn't know I was writing. And really? Yeah. That was kind of on purpose. I just, it was something I did. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're asleep at, at four in the morning. So anyway, uh, I worked in his office and then I went to school. Um, but when, And I went back to school when my youngest started kindergarten. I was so fortunate that I was able to see all of the games and the uh, school events. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it comes through in my books. As an example, uh, my middle one, Brian, we were eating dinner one night. He was seven or eight. And she said, and I'm not making this up, Mom, we should probably go. And I said, go where? And she said, to school (laughs) for the play that he was in. My was in a play. Wait, it gets better. He needed something to wear. He was Joseph in the play, and it was towards Christmas, so that's what it was. Right. And I had about 40 minutes to find something, get it on him, and take him to school and watch him in a play. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. And that was just the way his mind worked, you know? When you were switching from historical romance to suspense, and I think a lot of writers did at that. uh, There was a time when a lot of historical romance writers also started writing suspense and thriller romances. Do you remember what it was like to switch between subgenres or was that a natural progression for you? Because your books have always had a mystery in them. You're right. Well, the Heartbreaker was the first contemporary and I didn't want to do it. I wanted to stay with historical, but I couldn't get the book to work 
in any setting that wasn't contemporary. And that was the continuation of the Buchanan's. Right. Uh, so do you realize, as an example, um, Roddick Buchanan was first, uh, you meet him in a book called The Secret. And then he has his own story in Ransom. Right. Yep. Uh, and so all of his uh, ancestors are the Buchanans of today. Yep. And so I have to finish them, of course. I'm sure you've had this question before, but do you miss writing historicals? Uh, I, in my head, if the story is there, I'll write another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do miss it. But I've gotten so involved with all the Buchanans. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those writers that... I want to know what everybody's thinking. <laughs> when I when I was writing uh, Gentle Warrior, I'm I'm embarrassed to admit this. I was in the dog's viewpoint at one. No, and I thought, what am I doing? Anyway, I uh, took it out, of course, but it made me laugh. Listen, I think it's a perfectly good experiment to try writing a romance from the dog's perspective. Yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) I love writing about these invincible, arrogant, perfect men, and then just really messing with them. It's fun. Well, it is. Yes, it is. Absolutely. There's always a moment with your heroes where they're like, why is this person so annoying? Yes. And I like that, you know? Now, do you have a sense of which of your books is, is a reader favorite? Are there books that you hear more about from readers still? Yeah, what I have discovered is, for some reason, it's always the first book that they read. I'll get an email and it's, um, I loved your latest book, but my all-time favorite is so-and-so. That's the first book of yours I ever read. Yep. And I read that over and over again. Um, which is nice, but uh, one of the all-time favorites is, uh, there's about four of them, For the Roses, yep. Ransom, um, and the contemporaries would be definitely Wired, Hot Shot, The Ideal Man. I hear about those a lot. Uh, <laughs> I had fun with Hot Shot. That was fun. And that was... You know, I saw that scene, too. Yeah? uh, Where he looks out the window and sees a little girl go in the water and uh, becomes a hero. He saves her. Every book I've written, I wish I could rewrite it to make it better. Yeah, I really do. Oh, this is interesting, Sarah, or weird. Uh, I write three endings to every book. Really? Not on purpose. I always think, no, no, I need to, and I write a second ending. And then I think, what am I thinking it should be? And I write the third ending, and always I send the first ending in. Is that weird? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Uh, I think uh, it's my way of letting go of it, I guess. I don't know. Each time I think, well, I'm not doing that again, guess what? I do it again. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the endings are all happy, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that, you hit it on the head, Sarah. I don't want to write about psychopaths anymore. I want happy endings. Yes. Uh, I want to write an uplifting story that will make people feel good. I can't tell you the number of emails I've received from cancer patients. Really? You got me through chemo. And it makes me want to cry because that's the whole point of why I write. It's to make a difference. And even if it's for 10 minutes smiling and pulling you away from something else, no matter what it is, that's that's my job, isn't it? Yep. And that so must be the most it. the most fulfilling kind of reader letter to receive, right? It really is. Yes, it is. I, my daughter went into a patient's room. Um, this was when she was a resident, and she said, "Mom, my name tag was on my, you know, the white jacket thing." Said she was reading one of your books. <gasps> She never connected, you know, and I thought that was kind of sweet. Aww. But I, yeah, Liz didn't tell her, but that's fine too, you know. Wow. I always think if I see someone reading my book, one of my books, I'm not going to say, Do you like that? Because what if they don't? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I just go on my merry way. So looking back on your career since 1986, wow, what are some of the biggest changes you've experienced, both in romance and in publishing? Well, when I wrote um, The Warrior and the YA, I heard uh, young adults are dead. Nobody is fine anymore. And I heard that humor and historicals was a big no-no. That's what I was told right before both of them sold um, by other authors who had been around for a while. Um, It's always the story. I don't know. I know things have changed. I know that print runs are completely different. Uh, We have the Kindle now. We have all sorts of changes. It has changed a lot, and yet a good story finds a way. Yep. Uh, That's the way I look at it. Deanna wanted me to ask you, what books are you reading that you want to tell people about? What authors or genres really excite you? Well, I've been doing a lot of nonfiction for, well, you know, like uh, with Grace Under Fire, it was more about Scotland and the laws Mm -hmm. and their, you know, their police, their FBI, their this or that, all that is different. And I had to know what I was talking about. So now... um, It's ballet, uh, just for terms. And uh, so a lot of nonfiction for the one I'm writing now. When I do, I've got a big stack of books on the table next to my bed. And the one I want to start right away is Where the Crawdags Sing, because 
so many people have told me that's such a good book. Have you ever been told over and over again that this book is just amazing and you read it and you think, what are they talking about? It's awful. All and I the think, time. <laughs> I don't know. But that's happened with me several times. Uh, well, more than several times. Like I, lo- I love Nora Roberts. I like the oldies and goodies. Uh, but I like the new ones coming up too. I'm not so much uh, this old blow. Yeah, I'm not so much a historical reader. The series on TV, Downtown Abbey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't really get into that. But then. I hear how awesome it is, and I need to. I just haven't. I'm, I'll am i try anything. I like every genre. I'll say that. For romance, it's whatever anybody is telling me I should read. What are you uh, working on right now? You want to hear the two opening lines? Yes, I would love to hear the two opening lines. Uh, on Monday, May 1st, Lola Gray Drummond turned 11 years old. On Tuesday, May 2nd, Lola Gray's mother hired someone to kill her. Holy cow. Yeah. But the third line is, (laughs) needless to say, the family was dysfunctional. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit, yes. There's a lot of fun in it. I'm having fun with it. It's not all, it's not, all of them have a little darkness to them. Yeah. Because history, uh, but I kind of like writing about clueless people sometimes. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, And I don't ever have a title until I'm in the book, and then there it is. Wow. It's usually about the middle, though, that it just hits me, like Saving Grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he says to her, you're my Saving Grace, I thought, oh, that's the title of the book. That is. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Thank you so much for this interview. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. It was fun. I'm glad I got to uh, visit with you again. Oh, me too. It's it's just such a pleasure. And I love hearing all of your stories. So if you ever want to come back and tell more stories, just let me know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a hundred of them. And that brings us to the end of an absolutely lovely visit with Julie Garwood. I am so honored to have talked to her. I cannot even tell you. Thank you to Stephanie Felty for setting this up. Thank you to Tara, Laura, and Deanna for questions. And thank you to Julie Garwood for spending so much time with me. I would love to know what your favorite Julie Garwood novel is. Please tell me. If you have a recommended Julie Garwood novel, if someone's listening and thought, oh, I've never read Julie Garwood, where should I start? Well, if you like historicals, my favorite is The Bride. But like Julie said, that's the first one of hers I read. So I like it the most. But I'm curious what your favorite is. Tell me your favorite Julie Garwood novel. We'll make recommendations for everybody. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. As always, I end with a terrible joke. And this joke is from Maggie. Why was the ear of corn on trial? Why was the ear of corn on trial? Well, it had committed a cobital offense. (laughs) Cobital. Bad puns are the best jokes, I swear. Cobital. Thank you, Maggie, for this wonderful joke. And thank you for hanging out with me today. This this episode was really exciting for me, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.